Hello, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Cantina Mekis podcast, actually our sesquicentennial edition, episode 150. And as has been our tradition, where every time we hit a, a 50 number on our podcast, we like to bring guests on, and tonight is no different. Uh, we do have a guest that is joining us this evening here on the Cantina Mekis podcast. Uh, very, very excited to uh, have this particular gentleman on. We'll introduce him here in a second, uh, but before we do that, uh, introduce uh, myself, my name is John Jagu. Glad to have you with us. Uh, it's uh, it's it's gotten to be hot again here in Central Texas. Uh, well over 100 degrees again today. Need to get some of that rain around here. Chiki says, "I know uh, you live over in Kyle, Texas." Uh, Alberto Campa joins us from Kyle. Yes. <sighs> Chiki, I'm just not, at, this is the point in the summer, Chiki, where I just I can't deal with it anymore. The heat. It's just it's ridiculous. Uh, it's not not too bad for me. I I enjoy it. Now, well, I will say about this time of year is also the, the NFL season has started, and I have a, I have the, the the privilege this weekend of actually producing the Spanish language broadcast for the Dallas Cowboys uh, in their preseason match against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm very excited about uh, getting the opportunity to do that, which we will uh, talk about uh, probably here in a little bit as well. But let's go ahead and introduce our guest as other folks uh, climb on. I see that Joel Aceves has joined us. Joel, how are you, sir, in California? Kiwale John, doing pretty good. Glad to have you on, Joel. Joel Aceves, a Chivas fan, told us two weeks ago, three weeks ago, to go ahead and write the season off after week two. He said, no, actually, I, it was after week one. You said, yeah, no. Go, actually, go on loan no. to other teams. Go on loan to other teams, Chivas fans. No, I said not to expect it. Like if you're a Chivas fan, you shouldn't expect I, more I, than I, I could play than, the tape. I could play the tape, Joel. But don't make me play yes. the tape. Don't make me play the tape. But, and then remember, we were, we were, Going through the, through the schedule. And I That's said, right. And, and you said 24, last... 24 points in the last eight games, which is, is just, it's just not going to happen. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to that a little later. We'll get to that a little later, but we do want to introduce our, our special guest who's joining us from Tacamachalco, which is one of the, one of the nicer neighborhoods there in, uh, in, in, in the Mexico City or CDMX area. Um, Michelle Richaud joins us, a, the former sporting director of Zacatepec. Uh, which is in Liga Ascenso. He's also the founder of Deportes Inc., which is a website that specializes in sports business. Uh, Mish also worked at DC United and other sports-related projects in the U.S., and he has his MBA with specialization in sports management from George Washington University, which makes him a colonial, as we all know. So we do uh, we do want to thank uh, Michel Richaud for joining us here this evening. Michel, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, John. I'm pretty excited about this uh, opportunity to talk with you and uh, listen to everything that you have to say. Well, I was I was trying to get to this, and, and I want to go and play now, but I was on the wrong page. But so, so usually when we introduce guests, I always have a a little fanfare that I'll play. So I'll go ahead and play it now. So, so Michel Richo joins us now. Michel, you were the gentleman uh, for 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 Mexico fans for for the past. Three years, in addition to everything that we mentioned there, you were the one that, that, that was crunching the numbers for us to, to, to give us hope, false hope, real hope about, about Mexico having the possibility of getting a World Cup seed. And you started the process, uh, well, immediately after the 2014 World Cup with, with, with sites on the, the ranking that mattered, which was October 2017. And I remember in September yeah. of 2017, Mexico was playing Trinidad and Tobago said there's a 97% chance 
uh, uh, or a 3% chance that Mexico won't at, at least be in pot two because they, they had changed the, uh, the way that they were going to do it. And then Trinidad and Tobago yeah. scores a goal in San Luis Potosí, and I think everyone starts to panic because that was that 3% chance that Mexico was not going to make it. But, but ultimately, they did end up in, uh, in, in pot two. So we do thank you, sir. We do thank you, sir, for your service in, in, in providing that information for us. You know what? I really enjoy doing that. It was, I started doing it out of frustration, to be honest. Uh, after that horrible elimination against the Netherlands in Brazil, I, I said, I need to help somehow, uh, Mexico and, and the Federation to enhance our chances of going to that partido, you know? Sure. Uh, but it didn't work out well, even if, uh, well, with a with a new way that they put the groups in in the World Cup, I think it's it, it works out well to be in pot one or pot two. Pot two. Yeah, so, yeah. Frankly, a much fairer way, I thought, because there there are too many teams and, and too many parts of the of the world that that, that were getting to be, uh, you know, the, the 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 playing field is a lot more level. So there were so many more chances of not just having one group of death, but having you know f- you know four or five groups of death. So I think that you know, the way that the, that FIFA ended up. Deciding the, and I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be how 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 it moves forward. Uh, it, it is just a much more uh, equitable way of, of of divvying the pots. You know, as long as they have their same continental rules, you know, the two European teams, and 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 that's the those are the only the only confederation that can uh, that can have more than one team in a group. Obviously, because they're the ones that have the most teams in the tournament. So, yeah, and, and that will be just for one more World Cup, because then we've got the. 48 teams and I don't know how this, but that's going to Yeah, work. that's going to be that's going to be interesting it's something that we'll uh, that we will discuss uh, uh here in a minute. Now uh M- Michel, one thing that that we do ask all our guests uh, yeah. a- as they come on and so and, and I did not prep you for this but I know that you'll have a okay. you'll have an answer. It's, it's it's not anything crazy. Don't worry, you know, we're not going to we're not throwing you to the wolves just yet, but we do want to ask. I know that you're not you're an Atlanta fan. And yes. so we, we always now ask. I can say I'm proudly an Atlanta fan. That's right, because you, you had you, you you couldn't say it for a year, but 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 so you were closeted yeah. for a year. But but now you you have yeah. you've taken the azulgrana back out. You're wearing it proudly. How did that happen? How did the Sorting Hat choose Atlanta for you? Well, it was all about my dad. He he's an Atlanta fan. I think his story is better than mine. I just followed him. Um, even when when I was. I, I think three, four years old, like the, the first time I remember going to Estadio Azulgrana, which is now Estadio Azul, which is now probably never going to be a soccer game there again. But yeah, and I'm, I was a huge, huge Atlanta fan for many, many years until I stopped for about a year and now I'm like coming back again into the Azulgrana colors. And 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 do you, are you? I know that you live in Mexico City now. Uh, is is Atlanta ever going to get a chance to go back to Mexico City, or are they uh, going to be in Cancun at least for the for this foreseeable future? I sure hope, man. Uh, you know what? Atlanta has a really good fan base here in Mexico City, and really Cancun hasn't worked out for them. Uh, I've been there for a couple of games, and it's just a touristic place, and uh, the the the. The fans there don't really find passion about the team, so I hope they come back. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. They they have new ownership now, so maybe okay. maybe they will try to do something. Yeah. Have have you have you sent your uh, your 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 CV over to the new ownership, and and just uh-huh. and just and just hey, I'm an Azulgrana de por vida. You know, ninth, whatever, whatever year, the year you were born to now, and that's all you put on the CV. Would, would, would that be enough to to get a gig at, at Atlante? Uh, it's on my to-do list, you know. I'm just, 
I'm two weeks out of the, so I got the pick job. So now I'm trying to take things easy for a couple of weeks. And then I'm going to be right back full force in Mexico soccer, hopefully. Well, we, uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck, uh, in, 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 in your, in your, in your endeavors to, uh, to, to, to find a, a, a spot for you in, uh, in somewhere in, in Liga MX or in the, or in the Federacion or in, in Ascenso or wherever it is that you may be. I know that uh, that's something that, that, that is very dear to you. And it's something we want to talk about uh, tonight. One of the reasons why we brought you on, okay. especially considering, uh, you know, just the, some of the, the crazy things that have happened this week. I know that, that, that one of the things that you're very passionate about is, 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 is trying to figure out a way to, to help professionalize the, the, the world, not just of soccer, but, but, but the world of sport in, in, in Mexico. And, and, and what do you see, um, Michelle, as, as, as the most important step in, in, in order for Mexico to start heading in, in, in that direction? Well, I think, speaking strictly about soccer, I think the Federation has already started doing good things. I know it's pretty easy to just say that they're messing everything up and now we have this all these things talked about in Veracruz and then we probably have something bad talking about in, in another team. But I know the Federation has done some good stuff. And I think this transition with John De Luis is going to be great because he's a, a prepared man. He's ensembled a group a good group of, of people that are really looking forward to professionalizing the, the sport. But they're, they're like these side projects that they're doing that they're a little bit behind cameras, uh, working with even the government and others like side projects. And I think that's pretty good for, for the sport in general. And in order to have like a real, 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 real profession, professionalization of, of the sport, we need to start with the very basics, right? We need to have like good education programs that are uh, in sports and let's see how, how things work out with a new president. So hopefully he'll start something uh, different in, in that, uh, in that regard. Have you had a chance? Do you know uh, Yonda Lisa personally? Have you had a chance to meet him? I met him at the past draft in Cancun, but that's like a very brief, Hey, this is Mitch. And this is John. Hey, Right, not, not not a real conversation, but yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, so you're saying that it needs to start, uh, you know, you know, w w w with the basics. And, and living here in the United States, obviously, you know, the, the sport that is king here is not, it's not soccer. It's it's certainly not baseball anymore. It's it, 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 it's football. It's American football. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about on this show is that you know the one of the reasons why football is so popular here is that yes, they have their pop Warner leagues, but the reality is 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 that the government subsidizes American yeah, they, football they subsidize, yeah, with stadiums, heavily. Yeah. Well, it's not just the stadiums. I mean, it's the state. You know, the stadiums and the coaches' salary. I mean, every team every year gets you know you know, get, you know they get equipment you know and and, and top notch equipment you know relatively quickly. It's you know, as far as athletic budgets for school districts, uh, football, you know, and I'm talking at the, at, at the, at the, at the intermediate and high school level, football is, is, you know, 90% of the budget and then the other sports get to divvy up the scraps. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be the case in Mexico. There's not, uh, the, the government doesn't necessarily, uh, subsidize the sport as, as much. I'm not saying as much as they could, but, but as much as, as it could be possible in, in, in order for w w what you're saying to start with the professionalization to, uh, yeah, but you know what? Have. I'm going to take something back. I think, well, okay. even though that's important, I think the most important thing is to have people 
that really want this to happen and get them prepared, get them to study, get them to travel to the US or to Canada or to Europe or any other country where they are like really professionalized so they can see how things are going and then try and bring that back to Mexico. Because I was there in the States for a couple of years doing my MBA and working with DC United. And you can see how like huge sports is in every area, even in a smallish team as DC United, there's a lot of people working there. And you come back here in Mexico and Zacatepec, we have very little amount of people working there because it's just a different culture. And the team and the owners and everyone needs to realize that in order to make the the sport in general better, they need to invest. And uh, it, it will only happen when enough people really try to make this happen in in Mexico. Well, I certainly don't want to don't want to hog Michel for all the questions. So I'll throw it out to the to the panel. Uh, Joel, I know that uh, that you've been wanting to ask Michelle a couple of questions uh, about relationships that he does have. Is, is there anything particularly, Joel, that you want to ask uh, Michelle? Yes. Were, were you at Zacatepec when when Higuera took over? Yes. And I mean, how was it working with him? He seems to get a lot of attention lately. Well, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to be. I'm, I'll try to be really smart about my answers here. Um, uh, so Zacatepec, before it was Club Atlético Zacatepec, which is a current team in Zacatepec, they were Coras of the Peak, and that team started in twenty four, yeah, twenty fourteen, uh, and then in last May, in May twenty seventeen, they moved the franchise to Zacatepec. So they they were there for that they've been working together like the the same directiva for the three years before I got there. Um and then I was invited by by Marcelo Michel Leaño, who is now the, the coach for Necaxa. And then he he got me the interview with Higuera and 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 uh, it worked well. I mean he he's a guy that uh likes the the attention, I guess. He he has a lot of uh, of power with with Chivas. He behind the scenes he does a lot of things with Zacatepec. Maybe he he isn't as public with with Zacatepec. Um, but yeah, I mean it was it was super interesting. Uh, there were a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. I learned a lot uh, working close to to Jose Luis. Joel, did you have any 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 other questions? Because I, I do want to talk about your experience in Zacatepec, uh, uh, if you don't mind, Joel. And just on on a personal note, we were, you know, we 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 we've talked about you at the in Zacatepec, and, and me selfishly, I was like, man, maybe maybe Michelle can one day invite us to go down to Zacatepec, and we can stay in Tequesquitengo at a nice <laughs> yeah, nice house on the nice lake, day. and go water skiing, you know, because the water's nice <laughs> and warm there. But uh, you know, obviously, obviously uh, you know, selfishly. everything's warm in there. <laughs> That's uh, that is that is very true. That is very true. Yeah. So as a, as a director deportivo, what what is the function of of your role? What what is what is the purpose of of, of a director deportivo? I think I think the main purpose is to be the link between the coaching staff and the rest of the directiva, 
uh, and also serve as a link with the players and the directiva. Um, I think that's the main, like the everyday role, right? Um, but then you have like all the the preparation for for the tournament. You you try to see which players that are not in the team would be good for the team, which players that are currently on the team might need to kind of walk out or uh, find them play somewhere else. Um, there's a lot, a lot of things you can do as a director deportivo. Um, my role specifically in Zacatepec was a lot more than just the, the title because I was in charge of everything from the administrative area, marketing. I'm not a lawyer and I was practically the the main uh, guy that checked on contracts and things like that. Um, but it, it was that that's why it was super interesting because I, I was able to really touch every area of the team. Um, and the the by far the most interesting and most fun was the the sporting side, the the real director deportivo thing, right? Because you need you go to every uh, training session, you exchange ideas all the time with with a coach. Um, you have to be critical of them. You need to respect their their opinions. Obviously, you need to sometimes pass on the message from what ownership and the president want to say to them. Uh, and you need to level things when things are not going as well, because sometimes, obviously, because of if you lose a game and things are super heated, you need to be like the guy that calms everyone down and just like see what's going on for the future and not just for that like moment. Well, I see what your function was, and you listed like like eighteen different roles. Uh, yeah, they're, I know. They're, they're the so you were. Um, you know, we have to call you el, el, el pulpo, Risho, because you had all, all the hands going everywhere with with everything that you had to do, juggling uh, juggling a lot of balls. It's interesting to me that you say that the you know obviously the the uh, you know the, the interaction with, with with the players and the coaches was was what you found most interesting. Did uh, so would the coach then task you of you know the, I need you to find me players that have these certain characteristics, and would you have to go watch tape of of other teams or maybe even go to a uh, I mean, would, would, did you have the time to go to go to another game to go to go see if you could find some of these guys, or or how I, would you go I, about that? I think that would have been ideal. Like that, that's what a director deportivo is supposed to do. Unfortunately, with all the things that I was tasked to do, I couldn't do as much of the deportivo uh, right. thing. Zacatepec, um, unfortunately, doesn't have like an under twenty and under seventeen team playing on a competitive basis against other teams uh, as, as they do in Liga MX because in a sense so you, you can have your under 20, under 17 teams but you need to find them a league to play because you're not going to play against the, like in the same schedule as, as it happens in, in Liga MX so I watched a ton of video of a lot of uh, foreign players about a some Mexican players that might be good for the team. Uh, yeah, I did that. And I did that not, not just because Marcelo asked me or, or it was more of my initiative to do and I needed to prove myself that I could do it and that I could analyze plays, I could analyze a player and I could see if it was a fit. Because, and, and you need to also know like how much he might, might uh, earn, you know, like what's his salary? Is that going to be... Uh, according to our budget or is it like definitely not because you'll be surprised how 
wide range of salaries there are. There are players that charge super little and there are players that, that charge a lot of money in, in a sense. So I don't know if I answered you. So, so, so no, absolutely. No, you did. This, the, the, that was, uh, so, so that was what you enjoyed the most. And, and, and regrettably for you, because you were involved in so many other aspects of the, of the day-to-day operations of the team, it didn't afford you the time that, that you thought that, that that position needed in, in, in order for you to, 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 fully, to fully do what you wanted to do. Because in addition to having to do that, you know, you have to, you, you're, 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 there are a lot more operations issues that you have to take care of. So uh, it yeah. seems like, it seems like you needed to petition somebody to, instead of have a 24 hour day, have like a, like a 38 hour day. So you could get it all done in a day. Yeah. And like three batteries in my phone. Like it's well, just... let, let me ask you a question then. So say Sakatepec. Uh, promotion and then their Liga MX does Liga MX uh, award a purse for 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 teams that come in so that they can you know you know kind of like the way that uh, that happens in the Premier League with uh, with with the television contracts and that where they're just they have this just this massive injection of of of, of cash funds to help them you know no. r- ramp up it, it it does not it does not because it's not a revenue sharing model it's um, the only the only place where if you win, or at least last season, you get something as you were advancing is with Copa MX because it was sponsored by Corona. Okay. I honestly don't. Right now, I know that it's not longer sponsored by Corona, so I don't. I'm not sure if there's again some sort of uh, price for for continue advancing in in the tournament. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, Sacatepec did pretty well in the in in the Copa Mekis that uh, that you were. Uh, yeah, we did phenomenal. It was outstanding. The first, the first season, well, the first uh, torneo, the uh, Apertura, we we got kicked out in the round of sixteen by Pachuca in a horrible fashion, five zero. I, I won't forget that one, but uh, we we learned a lot about that one. And then in Clausura, so last last torneo. It was, uh, we ran all the way until the semifinals and we got eliminated by Toluca in penalty kicks. So, but regardless, it was an amazing experience and I, I really loved it. Like that, that game will be forever in my heart, even, even though we, we lost. So, you know, we, we talk about Copa Mekis on, on the show a lot where, where we, we do think that it has the potential to be a, just an incredibly, uh, dramatic, entertaining, uh, passionate tournament. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that the, that the current format uh, allows for that, uh, but 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 we do. Th- I mean, I, I've I, and I, I personally uh, like watching Copa Mexican because they're they are just incredibly. They're much more entertaining than league games. I think uh, they're a lot more back and forth. It just it just it is a tournament that I that I want to see succeed. And I want to see do really well. And I want to see become uh, very large. I do want to ask you, Michelle. Um, about about Liga MX and MLS. I know we had a show last week, uh, and Chiquis, maybe you can help me with this because I'll be honest, I was driving back from uh, from Dallas and I was only in and out. And uh, well, what was the uh, the premise, uh, Chiquis, that you guys had about uh, the, the relationship that, that Liga MX needs to have with MLS? Yeah, basically a, a group of guys came on the podcast last week and we talked about the coverage in the United States, mostly of Liga MX in English. And if that's really uh, a beneficial endeavor for Liga MX teams to have English English Twitter uh, accounts, English uh, coverage, English news, things like that, 
or is that just a small percentage of the United States public that actually needs that, like Mexican-Americans that, that don't speak Spanish um, but are still interested in Mexican league uh, soccer and the national team? Uh, or is it really a, a thriving market in the United States where there's a lot of Mexican-Americans that want that English coverage of the Liga MX and even Americans that are interested in soccer as well as Mexican soccer? So we are sort of discussing if that's even, you know, if it's worth it. I know there's only a couple of Liga MX teams who have Twitter English accounts. Um, so that was sort of our, and that, that, and that goes to a question to you. Do you think, uh, uh, Mexican teams need to cater more to the English speaking Mexican Americans and even Americans, or is that sort of a return on investment that's not really huge for them to, to go forward on that? 100% yes. And it's, it's not really a huge investment to have a guy that's, that runs your social media in English and, and tr brings English content to your, uh, to your website or even if you have like a TV channel or whatever. Uh, and even, even if, if in the U S there, uh, it's a small percentage of, I don't know if Mexican Americans or just Americans that are interested in following English content from the MX, you need to cater those, those, uh, fans. You cannot afford not to, uh, provide content of your brand to people that want your brand. It's, I don't know why, I don't, I honestly don't know why more, more teams don't have their, the, the Twitter account in, in English or their Facebook or their website or whatever. I know that America starting right now and I, I think they're doing a good job. I know Tijuana does it. Um, I think Santos does it. Pumas maybe. Um, Pumas does not. Uh, Pumas, Pumas has not. extra official. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah, if anyone wants Pumas information, there's like like two or three guys here in this country yeah. to, to, to get to get the good Pumas stuff. Yeah, so. I, you definitely need as a team. I, us in Zacatepec, I I found out that there's like a huge community of people that are in the U.S. that love Zacatepec, and it's like, why are we not catering to them? Like, even even I had the like the main store online for Zacatepec. Like, how do I make these guys? like know that they can buy shirts for the team. Uh, obviously didn't have time, but I would have loved to, to do it. And, and League MX teams that have a lot more budget should definitely invest in that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I agree. My, my, my counterpoint to uh, when we discussed this last week was, uh, was sort of the, uh, from my experience in the U S as Mexican Americans, you know, uh, don't speak or, you know, lose, don't speak Spanish as the generations go by. Uh, they tend to lose, uh, a, the love or the passion that their parents or generations past had for even the sport of soccer. So they get more into like, like John was saying earlier, NFL or basketball. Um, and, but, but I agree with what you're saying. The, uh, any, any percentage that's out there, League MX teams should, invest and cater to those fans yeah a second a third generation mexican american should i don't know if they're interested in what their parents or grandparents loved and probably they like sports and if they are not as fluent or they don't like know spanish if you bring them content in english they might like it 
and you might not just uh, attract the your fans, but you can increase your fan base out of creating these content. So you know, but it's not just the U.S. Though I mean, having having an English language account is yeah. is a way for you to broadcast pretty much the, to the entire rest of the world because you know the, the English is as close to a universal language as we as we have on this planet. So it just it just makes all the sense in the world for for for, for Liga Mekis to uh, uh, you know the national team does that does have the uh, the English language account and like you mentioned uh, several teams why why all teams don't don't do that is is uh, is pretty amazing and and uh, you know we, we talked to Martin de Palacio a few times on this show and we asked him how he uh, watches Liga Mekis and it's and, and it's through a provider. But you know, as far as getting, you know, they they don't have any highlight. On, there's not a highlight show on on Eurosport or or anything like that. Uh, they're, 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 there's just no vision or initiative to to, to send Liga Mekis to the world, uh, kind of like the way MLS does. I mean, MLS has uh, has deals where they're on they're on in England and they're on with Eurosport, and they'll you know they'll they play them at you know not the best times, but at least they're getting played. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can. If you download the Liga MX app uh, and you want to watch a video of your favorite team's goal, you need to pay. Yes. I <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't understand it. Why? So, I mean, probably the reason behind that, but like things, things are going in a good direction, but there's still a lot of work to do. I got another question, uh, sort of on what, we're, what you just said about the sort of the money and a money topic. Um, going towards sort of the uh, the contracts and what's going on with Veracruz. Yeah. Um, do do you do you see money? And even like Puebla, I think had issue paying players in Tijuana. There was some, there was something going on as well. Uh, do you, do you, do these teams really lack funds, or are all the funds going to the higher executives, or to, uh, or you know those guys instead of the actual players? Or how, how is that? Is is Liga MX having money issues? Is basically what I'm, what I'm asking. Or are they just keeping it for themselves? No, I think it's a team by team basis. Like, I don't think what's happening in Veracruz is the same thing that could happen in in Tijuana. I I don't know where the money goes. You're supposed to, if you're a professional team, you're supposed to have a budget and and you plan your semester or your year according to that budget, and you know how much your players are gonna earn because you're signing contracts with them. So there is no excuse to not pay them when the month finishes or the quincena arrives or whenever they're paying them. So yes, I think there's there's a big problem with ownership in in some teams. I think uh, the Liga needs to tighten up things. I, I we cannot have Fidel Curis running teams, uh, and it's a matter of time, a matter of keep persisting the. Thing that happened when, in a sense of the, the certificado, and you cannot, uh, the promotion relegation, if, if you were, uh, not cert- certified and you're promoted because you won the league, well, then you don't, don't go. And I mean, it's frustrating that you don't have like a way to go up. But if, if you don't 
comply with certain standards, you shouldn't go up. Um, and I isn't think isn't that the reason why Coras moved to Zacatepec was because uh, the the Coruco Diaz is the meets the requirements in order to play in Liga MX? It's part of the reasons. I'm, okay. I mean, Coruco Diaz is a super stadium. It's a it, great stadium. It looks it looks awesome. I have to admit, it really does look cool. I, Michelle, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of the I'm one, I'm a I'm a Pumas guy, but Zacatepec okay. has always been for whatever reason, and I, I have and I just I can't explain it. I've always had a really soft spot for them. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know why. I, I just, it just, it, it, it's a team that I really, really want to see uh, have success, and I'd love to see them back in the. Back yeah, in the I really wish the best of success for for the players and the coaches over there. I, I, I wish that they they have a, a great a great season, and hopefully, yeah, I left things ready for them to to get promoted. So if if they win, they can go up. So when did when up. did when did uh, uh, America or Televisa when did they stop supporting or uh, Zacatepec? I'm not sure. You know, I, I think that was um, Zacatepec 1948. Like that's the name of the team, not the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the one Televisa was supporting because <laughs> be, before Club Atlético Zacatepec. It was Zacatepec Siglo XXI. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Televisa had nothing to do with them. So I think it was the previous one. So so, so, so it was a while ago. If it was my understanding that Televisa was supporting the one that, uh, oh, you know, the, the, the Zacatepec that had, you know, Horacio Casarín and stuff like that, you know, the, the legendary Mexican player, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that, yeah. The thing, that's it. The, okay, the okay. link between... The, the link between... Zacatepec and Televisa goes all well. It's not Televisa; it's like more American and and all these. It's in back in the fifties, and it all started with Guillermo Canelo. Right. Yeah, he, he used to be a manager Guillermo there. Was We're not a manager. Uh, yeah, he used to be a, an exec there. Yeah, and uh, people in in America said, "Well, we need someone like this guy to run our our our, our team," so they brought him in. And then he brought uh, Nacho Trelles, and, and that started like a whole uh, like revolution in America. It was it was well, it so was Zacatepec could be the could be the mass of the other right now. If, 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 if... <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if uh, a twist of fate. Yeah, well, it's, uh-huh. it's a super tiny uh, county in Mexico, Zacatepec, but it has a lot of tradition. So a lot of like. People like if you're probably older than 50, you have really fun memories of Zacatepec. I, I had a question for you, Michelle. You were talking about uh, how close Zacatepec has been to America, and we heard not so long ago that Higuera's related to, to John de Luisa. Is there any truth to that? I I honestly don't know, but uh, he's in he's like a primo. Something like that, like they I were don't cousins. Think so. I, I I'm not positive, but I'm I don't think so. It, it seems like in, in in Mexican football, it seems like rather than it, six degrees of separation, there's like two or three. You know, it's like everybody. Somehow all related. It Higuera, seems like is is cousins with Calaco, with uh, I got TDN guy now. He was the sporting director of Querétaro. Um, yes, I keep forgetting that guy's name. 
It's it's El Calaco, yeah. And that's too bad that you forget El Calaco because that's a that's just a that's just a great name, El Calaco. <laughs> well, yeah, that seems more name. personal. That seems like Michelle knows him on a more. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's Villanueva, his last name, but I uh, Arturo Villanueva, Arturo Villanueva is his name. Michelle, Michelle, that's, uh, that's Ronnie the Luna that joins us from uh, from from Philadelphia. If if you can't tell, Michelle, I mean it, it just it it, it 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 comes out uh, it comes out from Ronnie. Hey, I have a I I used to have a business with America. I, I ran their their team store in Guapa where they train. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, it sounds like the smoke detector is going off in your. Uh, in your house, like every 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 ten or fifteen seconds, have you not changed the batteries in your smoke detector? I think it's carbon monoxide. <laughs> your, is it your carbon monoxide alarm? <laughs> I have to worry, but it. it's not going to affect me. And I, right? <laughs> right. Michelle, you're 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 a director deportivo. You've been you've been hired by our Liga MX team. You have uh, not an unlimited budget, but a, a pretty hefty budget. And they they tell you, I don't care what it costs, get me the best player in Liga MX. Who do you sign? The best player? Yeah, who, who, who in your mind, the best player in the game? Who, who, your task? Who, who do you, who do you bring? Who do you bring in? And I need to be champion right now, or is it like a five-year thing, like a five-year project? You know, that's or... interesting. Well, uh, uh, why don't you give us both? Give, give us your right <laughs> now, and then, and then give us your, give us your, 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 your project. No, I would definitely build my team around Diego Lainez. I don't think there's any question around. Um, about that he's he's an outstanding player like uh, and right now uh i don't know you uh, i like uh guignac of course he's he's not only been um he, he's g- good for attracting the media and makes the team uh flashier i guess and he delivers uh, to boot and he delivers so i guess it's probably a popular opinion, but I guess Vignac would. Well, I guess I should have prefaced it by saying, you know, I know that Picolin, Picolin had retired, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was close yeah. second. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. That's uh, that, that, that is a running joke that we have on this uh, on this particular program. So Diego Lainez, Club America. Are they, do they keep him, or or what, is it going to have to take an obscene offer for them to? Because uh, I mean, they, they could really build their entire brand on Diego Lainez for the next, as you said, four or five years. So, so how much would it take for for, for a you team know, to come and swoop him? I think what America should do and will probably do is to whomever they sell Lainez in the next, hopefully, two years. Uh, if not less, they will have a clause where they get they they still have a part of of his uh, of his uh, contract of his card. Like if yeah, of his card or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if I think that I, I think that's what Pachuca did with with Chucky when he when when they sold him to to PSV. It was what and Atlas it, did with uh, Deportivo La Coruña with. Uh... Guarda, and the the beautiful part is I don't think they ever got the they ever got yeah. the, the money from Deportivo. Just how poetic, how poetic for Atlas. I think that's what they should do, and and will, hopefully they will do, because he needs to go to Europe as soon as possible. He is really, really good, and, and uh, 
as good as he is, he can go to Europe and would you think he could, he could play on, on any team or, or would you want him to have that path to where? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say he can start with Barcelona right now and probably Barcelona or Real Madrid wouldn't be the best option for now. But I wouldn't mind him going to a Bundesliga uh, or a French uh, team. Those leagues are starting to be a lot more competitive than the uh, the Netherlands league, where like the PSV, PSV, sorry, and uh, Ajax and all those those teams there. That league is not that good. I mean, I know it's good for for players to adapt to Europe, but the, the competition over there, I think the competition is better. In, but if you get to go to to France or to Germany or uh, maybe even Portugal, that would be a huge huge step for him to uh, gain his his right in, in, in Europe and then go hopefully to a better team in a better league. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Bundesliga because, as you pointed out, you know every game is competitive. Yes, they have Bayern and but, yeah. but but I mean, there's really not that much of a difference between teams. So, I mean, seven and about sixteen. So they're it's like Liga MX. They're all they're just very competitive games, and anybody can beat anybody. And and because of that, you know, they're very just. I I, I just like the style of Bundesliga. I think it's 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 a very it's a really fun league to watch. It would be a great place for uh for for for, for players to uh you know see what they're made of. Yeah, if, and, if they're going to make that jump, we have. We have enough evidence to know that Mexican can succeed over there. So yeah, why not? It seems to me though that if uh, if if somebody did come calling for Linus, if, if if he projects as well as as, as we think he does, it's going to be, I think, between twenty and thirty million in in, in order for America to uh, to decide. Because because I mean, it's one thing to be a great player and play at Puebla. It's another thing to be a great player and play at America. I mean that is. Yeah, I mean, his the the potential that they have just for the, for that entire operation is uh, is pretty massive. So I think it's going to take a big check for uh, for, yeah, for, for Diego to go elsewhere, and, and I think it's going to be worth it though. And I think that that's uh, you know you know some someone there are teams that can write that check without even breaking a sweat. Yep. I just I just think it's going to be tougher for Lainez to leave because I mean. Unfortunately, we don't. You know, Mexico is not going to play in, in next year or next year's edition of Copa America because Mexico's not even going. And that would have been a nice little springboard to go to Europe. And unfortunately, we're not. You know, you know, Mexican teams doesn't. They don't play in Libertadores anymore. And you know, America's not playing any international tournaments. You know, not the, You know, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think I think I think if Lainez is going to go, I think it's going to go. Maybe after the Confeds Cup, but that's assuming Mexico qualifies. You know, they have to win the Gold Cup, and, and no that's going to happen. Exactly. So i I don't think I don't think that Lainez is going to go anytime soon uh, because because of the lack of inter- international uh, uh, competition. I mean, I mean, really, all they have are the Moleto games and and the FIFA dates, and that's it. Well, Joel, there, there is one competition that Lainez can play between now and then that would be somewhat better, and it would probably be the uh, Joel. What's the maybe the Olympics? Yeah, the Olympics and under twenty World Cup. Yeah. Would you send Lainez to the under twenty, knowing that he's a, a full-on pro at this point? 
I mean, is, is, is it worth it for him to go to the U20? We had that conversation maybe about a year ago, John. And, and I, you know, when America sent him to the, to that, you know, to the, uh, tournament, I, th- I, I thought and it, they sent him to the Centroamericanos. I mean, come on. Yeah. I thought it hit, it hindered because he should have, he should have stayed with America and he should have, you know, uh, earned his spot and had more, you know, regular time with the, t- with the first team. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough decision. You know, I, I think, uh, I'd like well, to see him get, get more established. The, the, the director deportivo, director deportivo. If you've had Lainez for a couple of years. He's a regular starter. He's 18. They ask him for the U20. Do, 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 you, uh, do, do, you, do you let him go? It's a tough one. I think I, I'm against not allowing my players to go to to a, a seleccionado, even if it's an, an under, mm-hmm. like a minor. So I don't know if he's as regular as, as he been like playing right now with America because last season he was in the bench or not even in the 18 that go to the stadium. Right. Uh, but if he is right now, as he is right now, I don't know. I, I would I would consider uh, maybe convincing him that the best is for. I would ask him to make him the decision. He would have to make the decision, and just let let the player decide. Sometimes that's that's better. That's fair. And like other thing that we, we haven't mentioned with, with the Lainez going to, to Europe, it will also depend a lot of, on his current contract with America. I, I, I don't know how long it runs. And uh, I'm sure that a year or two years before uh, he expires, he will have a lot of leverage to, to just tell America, hey, let me leave or I'll just walk for free. But if he if he does that, he becomes persona non grata. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at his age, and uh, but that's why I'm uh, I wouldn't like be in this pacto uh, caballeros thing, and hopefully that will end. But that's what I would do. Like let's get in a situation where the club earns a lot of money because you saw me. Uh, let's not have to make this a problem for for everyone. I think. People in America are understanding of these, and they will make the best for for the player as well. Does, uh, when a player gets sold, do they receive a portion of the of of, of the sales proceeds? Is is it negotiated, 10%. or is it a standard standard ten percent across the board? That's yes. what everybody gets. Yes, ten percent. Joel, I need to rework my contract with you, Joel, because I'm not so sure that uh, that you're giving me a fair deal on that. That's Ron. Ron is in charge of. Is it Ron? Okay. Yeah, Ron. It, it, it must be Dr. that Pike. It must. It must be that Pikey accent. You hey, guys keep good deal. pushing it back and forth. You guys always <laughs> passing the buck on that. On, on that. On that. Uh, so, so it's a standard ten percent across the board, and that's in in, in any country. So yeah, maybe, maybe you can negotiate more, and uh, but yeah, that's the standard. Now, now, Michelle, uh, you want to. Stay in the world of soccer. If you get a chance to to work, like like on an Olympic committee or or uh, you know you know with 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 the upcoming World Cup coming down, I'm sure that that's something that would be very very attractive to to you as well uh, to to get to work on the organizing committee for the uh, for for the World Cup. And, and what capacity, if if given the opportunity, would 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 you want to uh, work in that? You know, once I tasted the, the sporting side, it's hard to not want to stay there because it's this competitive rush that you get that whatever you 
something throughout the week, you're contributing, even if it's that really tiny uh, way, to whatever the outcome of the game is. So it's it's amazing to be a part of uh, like the sporting side of a team where there all the adrenaline and everything goes super super fast in in a two hour game and all these feeling and emotions. So I would I would like to to stay in the sporting side. I know it's it's hard. There are very few spots in 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 the market but um that would be the idea but if not i would also like to to work uh towards the professionalization but also why not making mexico world champion right what do we need to do to make mexico world champion in 2026 like what do we're going to host it uh, at least a couple of games if, if not the others are going to be in the u.s uh there's going to be a lot of mexican fans uh, we're going to have an advantage. What do we need to do to really make that one our World Cup? Okay, so you've been given that task. That, that, that that's the gig. Yeah. What what is your what is your eight year plan? How does it happen? Well, you can start from zero because a lot of the players that are going to play in that uh, World Cup are probably already uh, uh, starters in their team. Like Lainez should be the captain, right? He's eighteen. He will be like twenty six. By then, uh, other players that are like 20, 20, 21, 22, they already debuted and they're going to be like 29, 30. You need to to be uh, pushing for the competitiveness for, for these under 17, under 20. You need to make sure that more Mexicans are put on the pitch. Um, there's there's not a lot of incentives for teams to to stick with Mexicans when they can bring so many foreigners uh, and they make side businesses with them or whatever. That my my life to make Mexicans a priority for Liga MX team. So instead of fielding two Mexicans a game, you'd want to see them field like eight. Yeah, or. Right now, wait, it's the nine-nine rule or the ten-nine yeah, so, rule. Yeah, so exactly. So they could field, you know, they'd have two Mexicans on the field. Yeah, you need to. Like, I don't know if going back to the to the rule where you could only have like five foreigners uh, at every one time. Uh, I don't know if going to that uh, because we need to understand this is a global world now and uh, all that thing. But we need to create incentives, and it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying at all it's going to be easy, but we need to create incentives for teams to to uh, prioritize Mexicans. What kind of incentives would 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 you uh, would you would you recommend? I don't know. It was uh, I was thinking about these really crazy idea, like say these these lines uh, thing, right? Where. Uh, Maybe it's in the best interest of of the Mexican Federation that he goes plays in he goes and plays in Europe, right? And maybe America really doesn't want to ship him over there. They want to keep him forever in Mexico because he's going to be their image for the next ten years. So why not create some sort of sponsorship for teams 
that want to ship their, I don't know, like a FedEx sponsorship. You're shipping your players over there. I'm going to give you some money over here. If it's if not, not that team's going to pay you, I'm going to pay you. I don't know. That's a crazy idea, but there are other things that I'm sure that, we, that, that can be created. Does, um, does 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 Liga MX have a, a future in in South America at all, or is or is that uh, is that is, is that boat sunk? I don't think it's sunk. Uh, I know that there's a lot of logistical issues with that. It's not the same to travel. I don't know up to five hours in train for Champions League than the ten or twelve that gets you from Mexico City to Buenos Aires to Buenos Aires. Now, I now, think. Ron. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, Michelle. Ron, tell yeah. us again about that grueling trip that that, that America had on the in in, in in the Copa Libertadores, where they had to go all the way to Morelia. Oh, <laughs> no! It's uh, I think it was during the 2002 Copa Libertadores edition where they basically had to play like five games in in, in, in an like, eight day like, nine span. And and, and and four of them were in Mexico. Yeah, the grueling the grueling travel <laughs> that 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 Club America had in that couple of months. But hey, but, but playing five games in like a span of nine days, dude, that's it's it's tough, dude. Right. It, it is. Please. So so the travel is hard because at the, it, it's a twelve thirteen hour trip, which which then makes what, what we can well, at least uh, some of us on the show, uh, me included, uh, our dream tournament like 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 a Pan American Champions League. Incredibly yeah. difficult in order in order to uh, to uh, play it out, just because of the fact that if, if, if Vancouver wins MLS and they have to go to Buenos Aires to play River Plate, you know that's a, that that's a long trip. Well, it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder now because if you think about it, before the Copa Libertadores took you know changed the format, you you had Copa Libertadores, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from, they can they can always change it back. They had it from January to what was it to, to to May or whatever, and then you had Copa Sudamericana, basically you know the other half. Yeah, but don't forget so, that they always took a break. They, they took so, a break so, from Libertadores. So, they did the group stage in one, and then they took right, a right, right. Break but I, but I was always I was always you know the one that thought that you know if the Liga MX had still the the long season and they would just play the the, the Liga you know in 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 May whatever in April May, you could you could do one of the South American tournaments. And have that, you know, uh, fill in the the dates in in November, December. But I mean, I honestly think the key for I I, I still think and you know, I still think that the key for 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 Mexican you know at least the success of Mexican football is not in Europe. I still think it's in South America, at the grassroots level. Start seeing, you know I'm I mean, not love to see them back in the Libertadores. I'd love to see them back in Copa Sudamericana. I'd love to see them back in Copa America. But you know, sending their full squads. I thought those were great, great tournaments. I mean, that's when you really started to see more Mexican players leave, you know, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, Paco Palencia, and, and stuff like that, you know? Could it happen, Michelle? Are they going to, are they going to play South American teams again? I really hope so because point, there was a high level competition, uh, despite the logistical issues. Uh, I think the, main down with and make it happen like what are we going to do to make Boca Juniors come back to Estadio Azteca or go to Estadio Akron or whatever 
need to make sure that our teams and the best teams in the continent are south of the border and not north of the border. So, do you think Conmebol is still mad at uh, Concacaf and more so at the United States for the whole FBI thing? Because I mean, a lot of those South American federations, I mean, they were cleaned out. You know, with when the FBI investigated, I mean, how, how many? Yeah. What was a total of like twenty something executives from like Paraguay, you know, Argentina? And and Ron, remind remind the audience which which country out of that did, did has not and probably will not be indicted. It's just Mexico, which everybody thought that was hilarious because <laughs> everybody thought. Well, I, I always told you, man. There, I, I didn't think that there was any any, any sort of you know. Uh, well, I did, I, Mexico doesn't have a reason to cheat. In, no, in, because they were the in, ones in, getting in screwed in from the beginning exactly. from Jack Warner and Chuck They were the Chuck ones Blazer. getting cheated, yeah. You know, everybody, you know, everybody was reaching their hand in the cookie jar. And unfortunately, it was our yeah. cookie jar. Yeah, Mexico was the cookie <laughs> jar in, uh, in, in CONCACAF. Still is. What's that? It, it is. It's still, it's yeah, still, I mean, still Mex- is. Mexico has always been well, CONCACAF's moneymaker. Well, lately it's been Mexican-Americans that are, or the Mexicans that live in the U.S. or, or the, uh, the the big moneymakers for CONCACAF. Hey, dudes, are you off the air? Juan Uribe joins us from, hey. uh, from Cali. Uh, Profe, we have a, we have a director deportivo on with uh, Michel Richaud. You're your coach, Profe. Yeah, you need to... Uh, you, know, you need to get in his good graces so that when he when he goes when he goes looking for a coach, profe, you'll be on the list. El profe Camberreyes, he has his pro- promotor Lara Who, who's 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 your promoter? <laughs> Camberreyes. What, what, which is the one that uh, Hugo Sanchez uses? That's my guy. Oh, uh, Sanz. <laughs> Jose Manuel Sanz. So, Michelle, we have uh, Juan Uribe, who is a big uh, uh, Chivas fan, but in in, in his in his uh, capacity as a coach. Went down to Pachuca and, uh, and, and w- w- with a player for a tryout, and uh, was there. Were you there for for a week, uh, Profe? And, uh, and 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 he was converted to a Pachuca fan, which is why we call him El, El Profe Camarayas. <laughs> I wasn't converted. I was just blown away by their <laughs> facilities. I thought it was a, a good setup, good good organization, uh, infrastructure wise. I was impressed. I'll be honest. Is, is that the most impressive facility uh, uh, right now in? Uh, in Mexico, Michelle, or or, is, or, or do others uh, still uh, rank a little higher? Sorry, I lost you. I lost you a little. Can you repeat? Uh, I was asking if, 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 if which which facility and 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 team and oh. club do you think in Mexico is is the one that's the that's the best run and has the and has the best facilities? That uh, I know, yeah. uh, I I loved Pachuca. Like the, the the whole stadium and what they have there is is amazing. Uh, Necaxa has amazing facilities. Um, I think those, those well, Monterrey Monterrey has new facilities that are also super super nice, really really nice. Have you had a chance to watch a game at the at the new stadium? At Monterrey, yes. Uh, summer summer or winter? It was. Almost a year ago, it was in September. It was a Copa MX against Pumas, actually, because we played the next, the following day, against Tigres. So we we, we went that that day. I oh, think so. Monterrey won two zero. So it wasn't blazing hot. No, it was a night game, so it wasn't it wasn't super hot. Okay. So is is it nice that the the new the new Monterrey Stadium is at the 
Well, but I think that that that's true that they made it super hot so they can sell more beers. <laughs> marketing, my man. <laughs> that uh, hey, I, I never thought about that. That's no, I think it's true. Yeah. Uh, I got. I have a question. Um, and this is you know since you've been on the administrative side of the club, um, yeah. I've always wondered. I've always wondered why the like for example, there's. A lot of the corporate, a lot of the football teams now are are, are basically the equivalent of S corporations. You know, SAI they they, they say it, right? So they they should have you know uh, like in the bolsa de, bolsa de valores de Mexico, whatever, or the SEC the SEC filings and stuff like that. You're, you're able to see basically a financial the financials of a company. I've always I've always wanted because yeah. I've tried to look for it. I've always tried to you know. Like Modelo and stuff like that. I've always tried to see the actual, you know, try to see the financials of, of a club. Why is it that, that you can't find them or where can you find them? Or, or do they just not, you know? No, uh, I, I don't think you're going to get the, the, the details. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if America in Televisa maybe or back in the day Santos with Modelo. I, I, but, you know, I, I tried looking, I tried looking at Televisa. I tried looking at FEMSA. I tried looking at, you know, at the, at the, well, they, uh, they they weren't re- they weren't redacted where they were on they were just big black line and the... <laughs> not the, it okay. wasn't like that but okay. I've, I've I've just I've always wondered because it's like it seems like you know in in every major you know league in the world you're able to find you know you're able to find the, the numbers of, of of a club and it seems like it's like yeah. why why is that still such a big secret in Mexico I mean, we all know that they make money or at least that's the impression. Well, you know, not, not all of the teams are make money. I don't know. It's, it's pretty secretive. Uh, before I left Zacatepec, we, we started, uh, like an annual report and I publish it or not. Um, but it's, it's, it is secretive and I try to get a good way to learn how are they doing, where they can get their revenues from, what's the most important source of, of, of revenue or of where are they spending all these money. Uh, but, but it's not, it's not easy to find because they simply don't make it public because they don't want to. They want to uh, stay private. I'm, I'm just seeing my, my Twitter feed right now and apparently, uh, Hacienda, yeah. SAT, the one that checks out our, our taxes is going to look into the Mexican Federation for all these Veracruz things. So that's well, interesting. I'm- I've always, you know, it, there's a, you know, in, in, in construction and, and facilities and stuff like that, there's always, there's a saying that you can't, you, you can't manage what you can't measure. And it, it just, it, and it just seems that I've, I always wondered is how good the books are within the Federation and its clubs and stuff like that. Because, I mean, when, when, when things like this with Veracruz happens, it's, it just, it just makes the entire league look, you know, like crap. You know, and it and it's like you know, like yes. you know, it's like colibris all over again. You know, you know. And trust me, and that, that, that the owners, they're that these because they're tarnishing their image when because they're part of the league, and but they're that are scared because now Sat is going after them. They're going to see their books. They're going to see you. Hey, you have two contracts. How come you have two contracts? That's not legal. So it's going to be interesting for sure. You know, we, we've always said here that the Mexican clubs, they deal with three contracts. 
Okay. The, the one for the player, the one for the federation, and then third one for, uh, what is it, Hacienda? Ron? Uh, yes, and, and I actually got that yeah. bit of, that bit, bit of info because I, I used to know a, a guy, Ulises uh, Lopez, if I'm mistaken. I think his, uh, he, he used to work, I, I don't remember what capacity in, in Leon. Um, and he told me about, about, about the, the contracts because I had, I remember reading an article some years back in Socratomania and there was a, uh, a young Pumas player. Basically, he wanted to see his contract, and at the time, the the, the Pumas uh, front office denied him because we're not going to give you your contract. And he and I remember reading in that article about the you know the two contracts. And so when I asked you know uh, Ulysses, he says, "Okay, man," I said, "What is this? Does it is this frequent? Does this happen?" And he would actually explain to me, you know, in, in his experience, there were three contracts. There was the one for the player, the one for the you know the, the club, and then the one uh, that they would give you know. Uh, you know, Theo still, well, it's not Uncle Sam. What's the equivalent of Uncle Sam? You know, the Asena, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, did, did, did that happen also at, in Zacatepec, you know, to your knowledge? John is wondering where his third contract okay. is at. <laughs> no, when, I don't know. Uh, this is what every, every player must ask. <laughs> the same thing and one goes to the federation one goes to the and one to the player to it's just like three tracks I think you were uh I think you were breaking up there Michelle uh, I don't know if we got uh Oh yeah, sorry about that. Um, okay, they were asking about the two cars. Happened at least to my um has to sign like three copies of the contract. So it's just 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 a matter of you have to file them to to different places. Yeah. Okay. Actually. They, they to the federation. The federation stamps them. Then they bring like and they keep one for their archives. Right, Michelle. I know we said that we keep you for an hour, and we're we're we're, we're a little over that. Uh, is is there anything Don't else that, that that you want to share with us uh, before we uh, before we? Uh, well, actually, I do want to have I have a very uh, a Chilango question, if it's if you don't mind. Is, is Takama Charlie still? Okay? Uh, close there. Yeah, I think they closed. Ah, oh, yeah. That is that is. So what happened to all the canastas, man? That that is like heartbreaking. I want to check. Maybe just because it's pretty close to my to my place, but I don't go that often. No. Like, to that area. I used to go to Takama Charlie because I was a kid. So you know, not that. You know they 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 serve adult food because that's where we we had our twenty eighth reunion. I went to Green Gates, which was up in uh, in San Mateo, and uh, we had our twenty eighth reunion. Like I guess it was ten years ago. 
And even though I, even though I left in the seventh grade, I still went to that reunion. But we we ended up meeting at Takata Charlie's for our for our, our our first thing. It was a lot of fun. They still had all the baskets up there. Crap! This it's a restaurant in Takamachalco, Mexico City, that has uh, thousands of baskets that are that 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 are, that are stapled onto the onto the ceiling. It was a it was a really cool little uh, display. But uh, sorry to go off on a on, on a tangent there about. Uh, about the Camacharis. Uh, gentlemen, do you guys have any other questions for uh, for Michelle before we uh, before we turn them loose? Profe, now's your chance, man. You can ask you can ask the director deportivo what what, what what he looks for in a coach. Oh, you know what? That that was gonna be one one of my questions. Hey, Michelle, how's it going, man? Um, I'm a youth coach here in the U.S., but I'm just curious for. Uh, the guys that normally a club hires to to be a youth coach, what's what's the like what's the experience or background or, or what are you guys looking for uh, as far as your youth coaches? They look for a dress code. They want it to look like they're <laughs> going to out to a club. Real? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, definitely for for the youth, you definitely have to have a. a uh, developing player background or it's not background at least the spirit you of those teams like the under win but it's not the most important thing uh, you need to to know your identity that's the most important thing like the team knows their identity because how how you play how you portray yourself as a team uh, to the media, like the the kind of team that you are, needs to be portrayed in every single aspect of it. And you're developing players that are probably going to go to your first team, and you need them to be playing the way the first team plays. And the first team plays in a certain way, no matter who's a coach. Uh, at least that's that's in my perspective. Like that's how no, no. Barcelona does it, and that's. Uh, if you're a youth, a youth coach, you need to be a developer. Like you need to adapt. I think it's that you there to develop players. Uh, uh, the under twenty. So, so would you for for if you were you know the the sporting director, would you go for a la puentista or a la volpista? Um, I I'm more of a la la volpista for my Atlante. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, John said that you were Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah. But so, but, uh, but, te- but technically, you should be a Bucetichista because I mean, Bucetich <laughs> actually is the one that built that team. Well, yeah. you know, before La Volpe took over, mm-hmm. uh, Bucetich. Yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had those teams in in, in the uh, who was it uh, Nessa? Uh, no, I, I forget the team, but he basically had the, a lot of those players in in La Volpe. If I'm not mistaken. You know, are you, credit, are, you, huh? are you are you trashing our guests' team? No, no. Well, <laughs> <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> My spirit. No, but they did play very well My back in the day. Yeah, I, got, I got another mm-hmm. question for Michelle. Yeah. Hey, Michelle, uh, and then how do you evaluate your youth coaches? Like, uh, let's say, you know, how do you make a decision to to release a coach or, or to keep him on? You know, renew his contract uh, as far as your youth coaches. I think you you have to see the pros. Are your players uh, really uh, 
on, in sync with what their their the the first coach the first team wants because say you're in each of the first team and uh, you 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 got yeah I don't know the uh, or the yeah the left wing right you're not gonna send the best player to play left wing you're gonna play the left winger for from the 20 and there's a knows the basic how how the team plays and you see the, those things being coached in the in the youth teams right so it's the little details because as i mentioned it's not as important or at least in my point of view the results of if you're winning or losing it are you developing the kind of players that the team needs so it'll be are are you developing players with the potential to be in my team Yes or no. If you're not doing it right, then you're not supposed to be here. Michelle, uh, you said earlier that you, you you see Mexico having a huge opportunity in the 2026 World Cup because of the advantages that they have. So you, you have an eight-year plan. Uh, you would have an eight-year plan in place. Who is your eight-year plan guy? Who do you hire for your for your eight-year plan? As my coach? Yep. I don't know if it's as a – like right now, I don't know if – if it's as important for right for the coach to start right away, and to for him to to follow the like the eight year, I think it's important. But as I mentioned, has an idea knows how the the team plays. Uh, but uh, if you want me to say one name, it's gonna surprise you because uh, it's not out there. But I think the coach for me, in the 2026 World Cup, be Marcelo Michelet. The uh, current uh, Necaxa coach and the ex Sacatepec. I would bet a lot of money on that. Sorry to, sorry to change subjects, but you know, I, I, yeah, after your comment about you know Sat, uh, you know, looking into uh, or you know wanting to look into the Mexican clubs, I was just doing a little quick uh, Twitter search. And uh, David Falcons from ESPN said, en lo dicho, ante el desdeño del fútbol mexicano, el SAT levanta la mano para investigar las anomalías de los clubes. And like clockwork, yeah. the responses are, uh, el que levantó la mano fue el paladín sultán y el emperador de Morelos, Cuauhtémoc Negro. Levantó la mano, cerró su puño y te metió un santo vergazo en todos los hijos. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just, those are hilarious. I still find those hilarious. Like two, three years after the fact, you know, I still read these things. <laughs> sorry about it. So, so there you go. So you, you so Lanyon 2026. So if, 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 uh, if, if that's the case, who would you name then in 2022? I don't know. I'm really having a hard time, man. I'm really having a hard time knowing because I would, I, I would like Tuca, to be honest. Uh, for right now as a bridge for 2026 uh, because in 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 the Liga MX I don't see I don't see right now who it would be a, I don't know if Miguel Herrera is the guy I don't I wouldn't like Almeida um, so maybe I don't know Juan Carlos Osorio came out of nowhere and I really like the guy if they can find someone like that uh, for the next four years and then bring another guy for like a continuing project. It's important that 
that whoever leads the team for the 2026 World Cup knows how the team is being developed. Uh, like everything about every player starting now. So, would you want then your 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 coach for 2026 to be an assistant in 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 2022, and then it just just it's not it's not an assistant, someone that is working or is being informed, is like really in sync with what's going on right now. So they don't necessarily have to be part of the process as long as long as they're up to speed with everything that's happening. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Well, Michelle, we do uh, uh, we we do appreciate uh, you 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 coming on and, and joining us here on our episode 150. It was uh, it was it was very informative and uh, and and very entertaining. So I, I do want to thank you for 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 joining us and uh, and of course you're welcome to come back anytime you want. So we do uh, we do thank you and uh, actually I do have one last question if you don't mind before you go. I know that you said that that, that Cancun is not uh, hasn't really been a good fit with Atlante. Does Cancun have a whether Atlanta is there or not? Does Cancun have a have a have a, a viable future in, in Liga MX? Because it seems to me like that would be a city that lead that Liga MX would want to have a team in. Well, there's a lot of money in Cancun. Uh, it's a you need an, another stadium because there's a lot of hotels is, in Cancun too. Yeah, that stadium is not good. It's a horrible stadium. So. So you, maybe you need something to attract uh, the fans to go. Because if you want fans to go to to your to your stadium, you need to attract them by offering quality things. And right now, what they're being offered is not quality. Um, and there's there's a fan base. Yes, Cancun has a lot of uh, a big population, and they are still even though there's a lot of Americans, uh, spring break and whatever. Uh, there's a lot of Mexicans that enjoy soccer, um, so so yeah, I think I think it, it has the potential to be good, but things need to to change drastically. Okay, because to me, I think that uh, 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 Cancun would be a perfect place to have, uh, you know, maybe a retractable roof stadium, so that it's you know you can <laughs> air conditions. I mean, to me, that would have been a perfect uh, a perfect World Cup city. Had Mexico uh, gone that way, but uh, because of the fact that it it's a it is a massive attraction, as you uh, as you pointed out, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us uh, again, uh, and good luck to, to to you and your future endeavors, and 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 uh, I hope that, uh, that that Atlante can can make it back into in, into Liga MX, uh, uh, you know, hope you know the hard way, earning it on the field, and uh, and uh, we will uh, yeah. I tell you, we will have you if if we don't have you back on before, then we will have you back on uh, for you to celebrate the uh, Atlantis uh, rebirth in in Liga MX. Great. Thank you. I really, really enjoy this hour or so, and um, thank you for inviting me. I will be back anytime you you ask. Well, thank you very so, much for joining us. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was uh, Michel Richaud joining us here on the. Cantina Mekis podcast, and we do thank him for coming on, joining us from Mexico City there in the uh, Camachalco neighborhood. Usually, 